Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The moment you've all been waiting for is finally here. NFL training camps have begun all across the league. And we here at USA Today Sports Plus got you covered. Welcome to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. I'm Safed Dean. Going to be joined by Tyler Dragon here in a second. Uh, but it's, a, it's the 2022 NFL season, guys. Uh, we, we were about a month and a half, probably six weeks or so away from, uh, you know, the season opener. Uh, but still an exciting time for, you know, teams around the league, everybody getting underway with training camp. Tyler, what's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, my NFL season is off to a flying start. I'm having computer trouble. I might have a virus in my computer. So <laughs> the 2022 season is off to a, a flying start. Going off, uh, going going good right now. How are you, Safed? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I might not be in midseason form like you are, but um, I'm going to try to get there. I'm going to definitely try to get there, Tyler. <laughs> We got a we got a loaded show for everybody today, Tyler. And um, I mean, honestly, it's just a lot of headlines, man. It's a lot of headlines. And let's start off with something that we've been talking about um, in previous shows, Tyler, with some contract situations. Um, you know, it was reported today that Debo Samuel, Derwin James, and DK Metcalf, all players who reported to camp today but did not train, did not practice due to their unresolved contract issues. Uh, Tyler, let's kick this off with, with Debo Samuel, man. Uh, obviously, he made the biggest news this offseason with his desire to be moved. Um, you know, where do you think that things stand with Debo Samuel and the San Francisco 49ers right now? See, I was hoping you went all the way up north and then would go south. But since, you know, you want to start in the middle <laughs> there with Debo Samuel and 49ers, you know, we've been reporting all offseason on, on, on Debo Samuels. And, you know, it started off bad with Debo. Um, he requested a trade. We all said that. Uh, I reported it as well. But it seems like cooler heads are, you know, prevailing right now, and the fences are being mended. Um, the 49ers and Debo Samuel and his representation, they are negotiating a long-term contract to make Debo one of the highest-paid players in the National Football League. And, you know, um, those talks uh, are positive right now. Uh, 49ers GM said they are having, you know, productive conversations. Uh, nothing is imminent right now with Debo and the 49ers. But the thinking is around the league that uh, Debo will be under contract with a long-term deal before the start of the regular it's a uh, pretty funny how these players are kind of doing it usually it's a you know a contract call that means you don't report but by reporting to camp you don't get fined correct tyler uh by reporting to so camp, now we have this new situation called a camp holding mm -hmm. right yeah when you report to camp and you're under contract you can't get fined if you don't you know work out or anything now it's different 
with Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates, he's technically not under contract with the Cincinnati Bengals because he never signed his deal. So he can't get fined regardless if he doesn't show up. If Debo or Derwin James did not show up, DK, they are subjected to uh, heavy fines. It's called a camp hold-in, everybody. A hold-in. Not a hold-out. A hold-in. <laughs> Get familiar with the new NFL terms here. Um, like Tyler mentioned, Jesse Bates did not sign his franchise tender with the Bengals. So he's he's free. Not really all the way free, but he's free from fines. That's for sure. Um, and I guess DK Metcalf and Derwin James are kind of on the same boat as well with Debo Samuel. Um, Tyler, where, where do you see uh, Derwin James' situation coming out? Because we saw Minka Fitzpatrick become the highest-paid safety in the league, and I think Derwin James wants to top that mark as well. So if I had to make an educated guess who signs first between the three players, my guess would be Derwin James. And that's because I've been hearing uh, the Chargers and Derwin James are a little bit closer to a long-term deal. Uh, Derwin James and you know uh, Brandon Staley, they have both said pleasantries about each other this offseason. Um, so I, I do believe, uh, based on the way negotiations are going, that the Chargers and Derwin James will get something done relatively soon. And for me, Tyler, if I had to pick a player to be traded out of these three... I must be on real delay right now. Yeah, you definitely are. You definitely are on a real delay. Producer Emily is shaking her head in frustration, Tyler. Your laptop decided at the worst time to give up <laughs> as the NFL season started, and Tyler's laughing up a storm while producer Emily is groaning in disgust right now at how she's going to put our podcast together, Tyler. I'm trying to get my laptop to work. And now we've lost Tyler, and now we've just lost Tyler altogether, producer Emily. Producer Emily, can you please chime in here? Please help. I'm swimming alone. You are. I'll, I'll throw a li- <laughs> life raft off. Um. Yeah, we have completely lost Tyler, but you can definitely check out all of his reporting and we'll get him back. He's coming back shortly. He's just he's laughing. He finds this hilarious. I think. um, Yeah, well, I don't even remember who you asked about. Was it Derwin James? Jesse? He said Derwin James is the closest because of the pleasantries that the teams had said. The other questions, Jesse Bates, obviously. It might be because it's rainy outside. Oh, oh. I think. Are you there? The thing is, you... I'm not sure Tyler even connected no? his phone to his home Wi-Fi. No, he's definitely off of his cell phone. Oh, and he's gone completely. He's gone from there completely. Well, what I wanted to say real quick, Producer M, is that, um, you know, Tyler was talking about if there's of the three who would sign first. And I wanted to say of the three who would get traded. And I don't think it's Debo Samuel. And I don't think it is Derwin James. And I think it definitely should be DK Metcalf. And I think the Seahawks are probably waiting, patiently waiting to see what kind of opens up? There are a bunch of teams in the league. I believe at least seven of them with two first-round picks next season. Um, I could definitely see DK Metcalf going for at least one of those picks, um, you know, on top of another package of trade uh, of draft picks. But um, the Seattle Seahawks, we I've talked about this plenty of times. Uh, Drew Locke and Geno Smith as the quarterbacks there, do they, they do not excite me. I think the Seahawks need to rebuild, and I think not paying DK Metcalf and trading him away probably will be the best for their uh, franchise situation. It's just how many how many picks do you really get for DK Metcalf? Um, you know, if it's three, four picks, maybe it's worth considering. But um, if, if I'm Seattle, I'm not really trying to pay him a new contract. When I don't have a quarterback, I could use some offensive linemen. 
I could use a bunch of people on my defense after the Legion of Boom era ended. And I'm not really looking. I'm looking up at every other team in the NFC West. You think Seattle wants Tyler? I'll trade for DK Metcalf. I'll take him. We'll, we get, we'll give him Tyler and a, a couple of um, <laughs> a couple of producers. And, and in return, we'll get uh, DK Metcalf because it's got to be better than Tyler's Wi-Fi. Well, listen, I'm so tired. I'm so happy Tyler's gone because we're going to welcome in Nate Davis here. USA Today Sports, Nate Davis. Nate, I, I, every, every if you Google your name right now, you know how many articles there are online about you lambasting your predictions for the NFL season. It's, it's an <laughs> annual tradition, Safed. So, so uh, I, I have not, you know, thankfully my my son's birthday was today, and I avoided the internet. Uh, you know, thankfully I, I did check the mentions yesterday and replied to a few people, but you know, this uh, this happens every year. So. Uh, uh, Used to it, and it's always the, the loudest people that are, that are the angriest, as we know, and then and the ones that uh, are, are rooting for the teams that have the biggest question marks. Um, of course, I think I saw somebody from the Lions. I saw eight and nine. I said, "I'll take it." So you know, yeah, you always like you always like those folks to, to to weigh in, but you don't hear from them very often. Oh, for sure, you always want the fans that are kind of beaten down and like, "Oh, we're going to get close to five hundred. Yeah, you know what? I'll actually take that. I'll actually take yeah. that." It doesn't happen in this business, though, Nate. And uh, we want to welcome you to It's a Football Podcast. Um, Tyler's internet has gone down, so it's so great to have you to join me and producer Emily because we've been kind of swimming alone here. Um, I guess, Nate, let me ask you, you we, we have your predictions up online. I'm looking at them right now. Um, you guessed every every team's record for this season. A lot of surprises here. I can't believe you got the Bills going 15-2, and 15-2, and two, while uh, you got the champion Rams going 12-5 and five, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going 13-4. and four. I guess, Nate, in, in, in putting these predictions together for USA Today Sports this offseason, um, you know, before the 2022 season, what are some things that kind of, you know, you, you, you kept in mind when you were making these predictions? What, what are some things that really stood out to you when you decide to make a team like Buffalo 15 and 2? Or a team like you know, Tampa, thirteen and four. Yeah, well, you, you're you, we, we got we got to have you stop talking like a fan there, Safa, because I don't I don't go into it thinking I'm going to make Buffalo fifteen and two. I mean, I've been doing this for about ten years, and I just kind of uh-huh. I go through the schedule basically and I pick the games, right? And I mean, the reason I started doing it is because you know uh, there were years you would see a certain you know. Uh, prominent sports network with four letters that has, you know, TV deals with the NFL. And, and amazingly, no team was ever, you know, predicted to go worse than like seven to nine in any given season. Um, unfortunately, that violates the laws of math. So, um, you know, some, somebody's got to go three and th- 14 these days and somebody's going to go 12 and five. But I mean, as we know, so there's going to be 272 wins and 272 losses unless there are some ties. So I just kind of go through the process of picking them. I like to do it at this time of year because, you know, late July's training camp starts, you kind of have the best idea uh, of what we think the teams are going to be. You know, the roster construction is basically done. Uh, you know, the injuries are, are, are essentially at a minimum. Um, things will change. I mean, a couple of years ago, I, I went ahead and do it, did a 2.0 version when Andrew Luck retired because it threw that entire one off, you know, right, right in the middle of the preseason. But um, it, it's just kind of an interesting drill. And, and I, I go through it a few times. You know, I don't, I don't do the NFL.com and, and claim I do 21,000 simulations, but uh, I try to kind of do it forwards, backwards, and, and kind of see where, where things land. And, and, and even this year, you know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to go somewhere in the next few weeks, uh, maybe Cleveland. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, uh, some of the some of the most upset fans uh, with me the last couple of days have been the Browns fans. But we don't know what that team's going to look like. You, you know, if, if they're going to have 17 games with Jacoby Brissett, 
uh, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with them at six and eleven. I mean, they were eight and nine with Baker Mayfield last year. Uh, yes, he was hurt, uh, but I think Jacoby Brissett is not as good a quarterback as Baker Mayfield. Uh, you saw him. You saw him play last year, Soffit. I mean, he's 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 a backup quarterback, uh, and he's been a backup quarterback on some very good teams in his career. And he has, he's he's got a fourteen and twenty three career record. I mean, that's not all him. But I don't think the Browns are going to contend if, if uh, Jacoby Brissett is, is, is their guy for the whole year, particularly uh, as rough as that division and the conference at large are. So um, they're unhappy with me. And, and the other, the other, I'd say the other most vocal group right now are, are the Broncos fans who say there's no way that the Broncos could go eight and nine with Russell Wilson, uh, even though they got a new quarterback, a new coach, a new ownership group. You know, uh, you know, sure that's all going to come together and they're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, my bad. Well, Nate. Let me let me do a, let me do a favor for you, Nate, and let me take all the uh, the heat from the Browns fans off of you right now, because I want to say and I want to repeat this, and I want to make sure it's for the record: Deshaun Watson is suspended uh, for the entire season. The Browns are going winless; they're going zero and seventeen. Mm-hmm. All right, I want all the Browns fans leave Nate alone. Come and talk to me about it. They're going zero and seventeen next year if Deshaun Watson is not on the field. Um, I, I, don't, I will say a quick story about this off at a couple of years ago. I want to say it was, it was after, uh, it was after the 20, uh, I think, I think it was 2017. Um, it, it, it was the, it was the year of, uh, after deflate gate. It was the year after the Patriots won Super Bowl 51 against Atlanta. Uh, and I went through their schedule and I think I had them 15 and one, and, you know, you know, it's like, cause they, they were 12 and four the previous year, but I think that they were 13 and one with Brady or something. And, you know, Gronk had missed most of that year. I was like they're fifteen and one, you know. I was like, you know what, screw it. Let's just let's just have them go nineteen and zero, and 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 have have a little fun with this. You know, Belichick get, ends up getting asked about it in a press conference, and of course, you know, gives gives the requisite Bill Belichick answer, like you know, come on. And, and that that was the year that they lost to uh, the Chiefs on opening night. So so <laughs> that was that was fantastic. But they did make it to the Super Bowl, so you know, I I got something right on that one. Nate, let me ask you: the team that you've got with the best record right here—not the Patriots, like you mentioned, but the Buffalo Bills, fifteen and two. Um, what is it that you like about Josh Allen and company that um, they're only going to lose two games a season, according to you? Yeah, well, like I said, I, I, I didn't—I didn't set out to make them fifteen and two, but that's kind of—that's kind of how the schedule landed when when I went through all the games. Um, you know, we we know that you know the last two years. If, if they hadn't, you know, uh, seen their playoff runs in at Arrowhead Stadium, you know, you, you might be talking about a team that's going for a third-straight Super Bowl. Um, but I mean, they've they've had two heartbreaking losses. Certainly last year in Kansas City, they got they got beat pretty decisively in the AFC Championship game uh, two years ago. But uh, we we all know they're knocking right at that door. Um, and, and you know, they, frankly, they, they did take a little while to get going last year. I think they they ended up eleven and six last year. But uh, you, you know, I think all their chips are in. Uh, certainly the, the Von Miller deal, you know, where, where they overpaid to get him um, tell, tells you what, what they think about this team uh, internally. Uh, I think, you know, Kyrie Elam's a nice pickup in the draft. And certainly I think James Cook is a guy, the, the running back from Georgia, Dalvin's brother. Uh, I think he's really could, could add some juice to that running game. But I mean, this isn't a team that, that came in with uh, any weaknesses. Um but but they've added to it. Uh, they, they've built it up internally. I think Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott, uh, my my old William Mary classmate, have, have really devised a great program there. You know, I think Josh Allen is, is right at the the front of, of the uh, potential MVP conversation. And uh, yeah, fifteen and two is big. But I, I try to I try to stick with my gut. And usually, you know, most mm-hmm. years we're going to get a team that's going to win fourteen or fifteen games. 
Um, actually, I've got them losing to the Dolphins, you know, in, in week three down in that, that Miami. Uh, I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask. What's the other loss you have for Buffalo? We, we, we got the Miami in week three and then uh, Cincinnati in week, in week 17. We got we got them losing that one. But then sweeping through the rest of, of what what is, you know, it, it's a it's a good schedule. Um, you know, but they're, who's their uh, – they, they get the NFC North, so that's not the best division. You know, I think they could, they could probably sweep through that one pretty easily. Uh, and then – the uh, you know, I believe they have the AFC West, AFC North actually. So, so that, oh, that, North. Okay. That, that that'll that'll be a rough ride. But I mean, I would say you know they're they're probably better than all four of those teams. It, it, it's it's a tall order to say that they're going to beat all four AFC North teams. But you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, go go. And I don't even want to say go big or go home. But I mean, I I went through the process. The Bills got 15 wins. You know. Here we are. I, I, re- I, I, I really, li- I really like that pick, Nate. I think, um, like you mentioned, Kyrie Elam and, and James Cook, the two draft picks that they have in the first two rounds. Um, speaking about the Buffalo Bills, still, um, they bolstered the secondary and they bolstered their running game, which was obviously, you know, two big questions for them. Um, I think everybody, re- you know, remembers Buffalo losing their season within 13 seconds, um, you know, to the Kansas City Chiefs as soon as overtime came and. Sure, it was a defense fault, yeah, and sure, at the end of the last season, too, Josh Allen was doing just too much with the football in his hands. Uh, he was, you know, relied heavily offensively to kind of just move everything forward for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I think Buffalo could still win that way, but having a player like James Cook does help. Having guys like Gabe Davis, a, a proven receiver now, yeah. does help. Stephon Diggs is obviously going to still be and, and do what he does, too. I really like the Buffalo pick. I think if, if anything is going to hurt Buffalo, I think it could be losing Brian Dable as their offensive coordinator. Um, you know, now he's the Giants coach. It's going to be up to Ken Dorsey, the former University of Miami quarterback and the, the Bills quarterback coach last couple of seasons. He's going to really have to turn that offense up. Um, when you, we talked about that Buffalo window, I really thought the window was as wide as it could be with Brian Dable leading Josh Allen at that offense. But we'll see how they do with with the new offensive coordinator for sure. And, and you also got you know Tre'Davious White coming back. They didn't have him in the playoffs last year, like like you said. I mean, you, you lose in overtime in Kansas City uh, in, in a track meet. I mean, doesn't doesn't Von Miller you know make a difference uh, in that kind of game? And, and even others. I mean, Roger Saffold is added to the offensive line. So I mean, they they just made a lot of moves that uh, you got to think is going to put them over the top. And particularly if, if you kind of think like I do. I mean, I don't know what you think, Saffold, but I mean, I think the Chiefs are. are came back to the pack a little bit. And if nothing else, they're, they're kind of, I mean, they remind me of the Packers. Those are two teams that are going to have to learn uh, or, or at least adjust and play offense a little bit differently than they're used to after losing those two big time receivers. But I think, I think that pushes Buffalo past them. Yeah, definitely. Nate, I wanted to ask you about your NFC, your, your top pick there with the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got them going 13 and four. I'm pretty sure that prediction was probably before you learned they got Julio Jones added into the mix there too. I'm not sure, you know, what Julio Jones is at this point in his career. Obviously, he's one of the best receivers of all time um, and one of the most feared at his position of all time. And I think with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin kind of leading the ship there, Julio Jones would really, really fit in nicely. You know, he's not that Antonio Brown kind of figure. Um, that You know, the Bucks always love to have three receivers for Tom Brady. I like your prediction, even without Gronk. This season, and for all we know, I think Gronk comes back in like the third week of November. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I I'll, I'll, let me see. Uh, look, look up when the Tampa Bay the bye week is. So November November twentieth. So yeah, that seems like a pretty maybe a Gronk, Gronk can can be their their Thanksgiving uh, maybe comeback story. Although <laughs> they, you know, another nice recent pickup with Kyle Rudolph, who you know I'm not I'm not saying he's Gronk, but he's he's a very 
a nice dual threat tight end that can do Gronk kind of things, pass pass blocking and uh, run blocking and, and, and helping you in the red zone. But um, you are right, Soffit. I mean, I made this uh, 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 projection before Julio signed. But uh, to your point, too, I mean, I mean, he's 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 probably at least depth chart wise, their their number four receiver year this year. I mean, they 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 spent some money to sign Russell Gage, who was a nice productive receiver, Julio's former teammate uh, in, in Atlanta. Um, and then the other nice thing about this signing is it, it doesn't. I, th- I think it gives Chris Godwin the luxury of not trying to rush himself back too quickly from from the uh, the ACL. But uh, um, like you said, I mean, Julio's not going to come with the drama uh, of an AB, um, obviously. Seems like Julio's always got a nagging something or other, but uh, I think he's probably going to be what, playing 30 snaps a game. You can use him selectively, passing downs only. Uh, and and how does Julio Jones look? You know, as your third or fourth option, you know, you can, he's not you're going to double him. And and he was he was pretty productive kind of late in the season for Tennessee. Um, you know, he, he I would miss a lot of games last year, but uh, I still think he could be a productive receiver. And pairing him with Tom Brady, I mean, you got to like that. I love it for Tampa Bay. I really do. Like you mentioned, Russell Gage as well. Um, Chris Godwin was one of the best receivers in the NFL last season. I believe he was top five in reception yards and catches last year. And him and Mike Evans were the best duo in the league as far as production-wise. Um, you know, Brady's going to have fun with all his weapons. And I think that's how you keep Brady happy is give him people to throw the ball to. Um, and I think Tampa Bay could definitely take that next step. We'll see how Todd Bowles fall, you know, uh, factors in. Um, with Bruce Arians gone, but I'm really excited about your Tampa pick. I, I had one more question for you, Nate, and I guess, um, you know, let's talk about the defending champions, the LA Rams. You got them at 12 and five. Um, for me, Nate, I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but I, I kind of feel like because the the Rams kind of have the target on their back, they kind of have that, um, you know, we won the Super Bowl already. We're not trying to compete for the Super Bowl. I feel like there could be a little bit of a hangover there, or, or, or at least the, the drive to, to win the Super Bowl is a little bit um, diminished because you just won it. Do you kind of agree with me there on that front? I, I don't. I don't know that I would say it's, it's diminished, but uh, I mean they, they they did finally do it, like you said. You know, I think they they are a team that that embraces uh, you know being LA's team. They embrace the Hollywood stuff. You know, all all the stuff you see the guys doing on. Social media. I mean, their social media department. You know, the the, the Top Gun stuff that, that they did in advance of the movie. I mean, they have fun. I mean, I think I think it's cool what they do, um, and I, I really admire kind of the culture they fostered there, fostered there, and the go for it thing. But you're right. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Now they are they are going from the hunter to the hunted. I think we are getting in that period now where it feels like a little bit of a revisionist history, and people are like, oh, you know, of course, of course the Rams won the Super Bowl. I mean, a year ago at this time, we were asking, you know, can, can Matthew Stafford really, is he really going to win a playoff game? Uh, people people forget that a year later. Well, of course, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so, but you know, they, they are playing in, in a in a tough division. Uh, they, they they play, you know, got Buffalo on opening night, so it's going to be. I mean, that, that literally could be Super Bowl preview out of the shoot. I do have the Bills winning that one. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they, they got some stuff to deal with. I mean, I mean, the offensive line is undergoing some changes. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, they, they've swapped out Robert Woods, who was a really valuable component uh, of that receiving core and, and did the blocking. And, you know, we'll kind of see, you know, if Allen Robinson can can uh, maintain that or, or, or offer even more kind of coming off a lost season for him. Um, you know, is OBJ coming back eventually? We'll, we'll find out. Uh, but, I mean, to, to me, the big thing is kind of what's that defense going to look like, you know, uh, Von Miller and Bobby Wagner are both great players, but they're they're very different in what they do. And, and the Rams traditionally don't don't put a lot of money 
kind of in the second level linebackers. They put it more in the, in the edge guys like Vaughn and, and Leonard Floyd. So I think I think there's going to be an adjustment period for them. Um, but I mean, the NFC to me is interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't. You know, it's it's July 27th. Yeah, it's hard to see. But still, the Packers. The Packers don't scare us anymore, right? Well, they're actually my Super Bowl pick. Um, you picking the Packers to go to the Super Bowl? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here, Nate. I'm gonna give you a little backstory. We had a whole rant from Safed, uh, I think last week plus the week before that, and every week <laughs> after that, he has a strong stance that Aaron Rodgers, despite the ring, is a regular season quarterback and can't get it done again. I'm not wrong. I, I mean, he, he. I mean, it's been a long time. Um, uh, you, you know, I mean. I don't know that I quite put him in regular season quarterback, given he's been in, in a couple excuse, of excuse me, Nate. games last he's, year. He's a he's an NFC title game quarterback. Excuse me, he's an NFC title game quarterback, John. That, that, that's fine. I mean, I I, I do you know I, I do give Matt Lafleur a good deal of the blame for the loss against the Bucks two years ago for you know kicking the field goal and and you know it it, 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 it takes a village sometimes, right, Soffit? Um, oh yeah. I just wonder if again what I was going to say is like I can't really see a team that I I really believe in outside the Rams, the Packers, the Bucks, and the NFC. Like I don't I don't see anybody else. I think it's going to be one of those three, and you know we'll see. Maybe maybe the Eagles emerge as this hot team, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll find out. But um, I just kind of wonder if, if not being so predictable with I mean you, you always knew where the ball was going last year. Um, it was going to be sixteen or seventeen targets to Devontae Adams and and. It, I think I think teams knew what to look for, and I kind of wonder if you know, I think back to the 2015 Broncos. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is a declining player as Peyton Manning was then, but I, I think maybe if you rely more on your defense and you rely more on your run game and you're a little less predictable, um, a you're less predictable. B I think that style of play probably works better in January and probably works better in Lambeau Field. Uh, and, and then you know if, if you don't know where Aaron Rodgers is going on any given down, they're they're a little harder to defend. So and, and I also think the spotlight. Is going to be off them a little bit. I think we are going to be talking more about the Rams and Brady, and of course we'll talk about the Cowboys because that's what we do. Um, I, I kind of wonder if they'll fly under the radar a little bit. I think I think they actually will win fewer games. You know, they've been thirteen wins every year under the floor. I think they might be more like eleven and six as they kind of recalibrate what they do and, and kind of deal with some of these injuries to guys like Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and. You know, we'll see what Jair Alexander is this year. But, I mean, they, they could potentially have a lot of guys coming back that could really help them. I just think it'll be a different team. Like I said about Kansas City earlier, I think they're going to have to kind of learn to play a different way. But it's a thin conference. So I, I, I put them right up there with the Rams and and, and, uh, and Bucks and, and say that they certainly got a puncher's chance. And, Nate, definitely I will be the one that makes sure that the Packers do not fly under the radar. Also, anybody could win in Lambeau Field. The 49ers did it last year. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and the Bucks did the year before that. And I forgot who was the other NFC title game competitor the year before that. But but I wonder if they're better off that way. I mean, the year they won it, they were a six seed. And they won they won four game four playoff games away from Lambeau. I mean, that was early in his career, so I don't think Aaron Rodgers had kind of the chip and he, him against the world mentality. He, he does he does at this point, but um I, I think he might be better off feeling like he's disrespected all the time. And the other thing I didn't mention, too, is, is I think that this is also going to force him to, to – or at least force Matt LaFleur to, to give a lot more touches to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon together. And, and, and they should. I mean, you, they, they really should spread the load. And as talented as those guys are and as well as they complement each other, I, I think I think they're better off throwing the ball less. I definitely don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP this year. But I think, I think overall – uh, you know, with Christian Watson, we'll see Alan Lazard, you know, and Emily's USFL studs, you know, maybe, maybe they'll come through. You know, I don't think Alan Lazard would probably be a name in any other city, 
but we know him because of Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's made, turned a lot of mid-round you know, draft pick receivers in, into household names. So we'll, we'll find out. Nate Davis, you've become a household name at the beginning of every NFL season with your controversial, to some, NFL predictions before every season. Nate, thank you so much for joining us and it's a football podcast. I, if Tyler didn't come back, I would definitely kick him back out and just still have you here for the rest of the show. Okay, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> Tyler, you finally got back and joined us, man. I'm so glad to have you. Not really, actually, but what's going on, man? You all right? You know, normally it's you with the ghetto <laughs> wireless, but... Normally it is me, but I'm rubbing it in now. Uh, on this late July evening it is me and i'm going to blame um i don't know just the gods above maybe the weather mother nature that i have had faulty internet connection i mean my computer just refuses to act right today i don't know if it's computer or the internet connection but it just refuses to act right so it's not cooperating but i'm back well tyler while you were gone we uh i decided that DK Metcalf, out of the three players we spoke about earlier, Derwin James, DK Metcalf, and Debo Samuel, one of these guys had to be traded, and so we traded uh, you for DK Metcalf. So hopefully we can get DK on the next episode. Hopefully you really like it out there in Seattle. It's going to be a lot of rain to let you know, but maybe you can get some free Starbucks at the deal too, man. Um, I need uh, something else to incentivize uh, that deal, a, a sweetener, maybe a lifetime supply of Starbucks. Um, mm-hmm. m- maybe uh, Microsoft can give me another computer uh, since they're oh, out that, there that as well. So, you know, I, I'm going to need something to, you know, sweeten that deal a little bit. Let's, uh, Tyler, let's, um, let's get back into some headlines here, man. And I wanted to talk about one headline that kind of, um, you know, rang the light bulb for me. Um, Joe Burrow is not starting training camp with the Bengals, uh, this, this training camp because he's going to have an appendectomy. How do I say that? He's going to have his appendix removed. Appendectomy. Did I say yes, that right? Yes. Good, good. He's going to have his appendix removed. You missed an N the first time, but appendectomy. Thank you, producer Emily. I, I am, you know, some, some large words are difficult for some. Um, appendectomy was one. Oh yeah, much better, much better. There we go. Man, Joe Burrow got to take his appendix out. <laughs> Translation, Tyler. I I think I look at this and I'm like, okay, well, how much time is Joe Burrow gonna miss? One, two. Um, you know, does that ruin? I guess a little bit of the rhythm or, or momentum. Maybe the Bengals could go into week one with you know not having him for maybe a week or two and. Um, why did this happen this week? This couldn't have happened like last week or the week before. His family just decided to act up the day before training camp. So unfortunately, I can speak on this matter from firsthand experience because I've had my appendix removed right before track season going on my senior year. And it is an uncomfortable procedure. Uh, you have to have staples on your belly button. So you could just imagine how that is. Um, You can't really bend over and have any fast movement. I mean, your whole whole core is affected for a while. Um, For me, they said, I think two to three weeks, no physical or strenuous activity. Uh, That was when uh, uh, during modern medicine wasn't as advanced as it is now. I'm not that old, but 
uh, modern medicine still, is a little bit more advanced still, now. <laughs> we're still talking about 11, almost 10 years ago. We're still talking about that. Yeah. So um, at, for Joe Burrow, I think, you know, after two and a half, three weeks, uh, he'll be back up to near full speed, uh, throwing, definitely throwing passes, not taking hits, I don't think. But Joe Burrow probably wasn't going to play in the preseason anyways. Um they know what type of quarterback he is. Obviously, it does affect chemistry and timing uh, for some of the receivers and tight ends and maybe running backs. But overall, I don't think this is a huge deal. He'll be back full go 100% by week one when the Bengals take on the Steelers, I believe they play week one. And so, you know, I, it's, a, it's a small deal just because he's not getting that conditioning and timing during, you know, the initial training camp practices. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not that huge of a deal. Yeah, I agree, Tyler. I think the timing and things like that, I think his timing with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd is just fine. Um, you know, after running to the Super Bowl last year, um, I was a little sad for Joe Burr to hear that. But I mean, uh, obviously, I guess every team kind of goes through that adversity. You know, mostly we know it as on-field adversity. This one happens to be off the field with Joe Burrow, but um, hopefully he has, makes a speedy recovery. I'm really going to see how he bounced back uh, this off this season, especially after making it to the Super Bowl last year. Fun fact: Harry Houdini died from a burst appendix. Um, you can you you can you can die from that. Not many people do. It's a pretty like relaxed procedure, but he got re- repeatedly hit in the stomach for one of his acts. And didn't know he ruptured. And I believe he was in a submerged, like, underwater trick when his it fully ruptured and then he died. Um, so the great Harry Houdini was taken down by a burst appendix. Let's talk about your favorite team you love to talk about every postseason when they mess up. The Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones, their renowned owner. Um, flex a little bit of muscle, man. I really was surprised to hear him say what he did say about Coach Mike McCarthy. And let me just read the quote for you guys right now. Quote, I want to be real clear. He wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't think he, he was the man to lead us to a Super Bowl. He would not be. And I have choices. End quote. Tyler, he has choices, Jerry Jones says. What a flex by Jerry Jones, especially with all the... uh the choice talk about, uh, you know, potentially Sean Payton taking over after this season. Um, plain and simple, Tyler, Mike McCarthy, he's on the hot seat, isn't he? He is definitely on the hot seat. And, you know, I don't mind Jerry Jones flexing. He does have, you know, some Lombardi trophies, uh, even though they're in the 90s. But he does have, <laughs> <laughs> have some on his resume. And a lot of coaches around the National Football League would love to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they call them, really? yes, they call them America's really? team for a reason. They're the most what notable, reason? they're the most notable team in America. They're the richest franchise in the world. So, I mean, you, the, the spotlight is definitely on them in Dallas. You get criticized you, all the time because it, the microscope is definitely there. But some coaches can handle that, i.e. a Bill Parcells. Um, and I think Bill Belichick would love to coach the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe there are a lot of coaches that would love to coach the Dallas Cowboys with the right opportunity. And I do think coming down the line, Sean Payton 
is you're going to start hearing his name over and over and over again this season because that it, the link between him and Jerry Jones is evident. I, you know, they talk off the field a lot. They have the same uh, favorite wine, which I know from uh, <laughs> training camp and, uh, you know, some other extracurricular activities outside of the NFL circles. But I do, <laughs> I do know that Sean Payton and Jerry Jones, they, they have a connection off the field. And if Mike McCarthy does not do well this season, dun, dun, it could be doomsday for him. Uh, shout out to the Dallas Cowboys, man. $6.5 billion, the most valued franchise in all of sports um, in the last year. It even went up, I think, almost a whole billion from the year before that from a Forbes story I saw, too. Um, I, don't know if any, I don't know if every NFL coach would love to coach there. You don't I think, think Bill so? Belichick loves his little corner in New England where he is so he can do whatever he wants there. I think Nick Saban loves his little corner in Alabama to do you know where he is. I think NFL coaches, I, I know that those are particular, you know, what I said there, but I think NFL coaches, I, there's pressure to be an NFL coach. There's pressure to be Jerry Jones's coach. And there's, you know, these coaches, they don't like their owners speaking, uh, you know, every week after the game, all up in the videos, just <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> uh, he <Diddy> was. <laughs> that was a little West Coast reference for you there, but. All these coaches, they don't like their owner talking about them every week and what they do and adding fire to the mix, um, you know, especially after a loss and then hyping up everything too much after a win, too. It, it takes a special kind of coach to to, to work for Jerry Jones. So I, I agree with you there. Now, I'm saying, like, if in the right situation, Bill Belichick got all the autonomy, uh, Nick Saban, one of those coaches, I can make roster moves. I have total you're control not of the brand. You're not going to take that from Jerry Jones. You're not going to take that from Jerry Jones. You're, you're not. That's true. But I'm saying if Jerry Jones were to hand that over, I think there are a lot of coaches that would love to coach the Dallas Cowboys just being because it's America's team. Got the star in the helmet. I, I don't think they should be America's team. I, I don't think they should be America's team, but they're the richest franchise in the world. They're the most popular team in the country. So, I mean, those are just the facts. They're not the best team. They're not the they're best the team. team. They, they haven't had success. I mean, I wasn't born when they won the championship. You were born, Savi, because you know you're a little bit older than me. I don't think producer Emily was born. But regardless of the fact, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. Soffit. There are a lot of coaches that would love to coach them. Tyler, I don't know why you keep saying I'm older than you when we are the same age. I hate when we do that. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I don't know it what you're so talking funny. about. Chris Emily, you're holding that mic like you want to chime in on the Cowboys as your Washington fan. You got oh, no. you want to say? We're not Washington fans over here, but all I was going to say is just like Tyler's appendix, no one's cared about the Cowboys <laughs> since the 90s. <laughs> Oh, but um, shots fired. My poor pit. It's gone now, Tyler. It's wow. gone now. It is. It is. It is gone now. That's why nobody cares about it. It's, it's been gone for twelve years, just like um, Aaron Rodgers' uh, last Super Bowl. Tyler, every year we do this, and every year it's up to the players to see if they really do reach their potential. Um, but our colleague Mike Jones came up with a list of ten players he believes could be in for a breakout season. Um, there's a couple 
players. I know really well with the Miami Dolphins, Tyler. You know that excites me all the time. Three Dolphins on this list. Uh, Jalen Phillips, um, who's definitely in, in, in tune for a breakout season. Javon Hall and the safety, who I think already broke out last year. I wanted to put him in the Hall of uh, the, the Ring of Honor already after some plays that he made last year. Um, arguably, Tua Tagovailoa is the biggest name on this list by Mike Jones. Um, and there's also some Alabama love here, too. Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy um, here, too, Tyler. A lot of Alabama guys on this list. You know, when you come from that school and you don't live up to NFL expectations, a lot of people are wondering what's good, you know, what, and what are, what, are, what are some things that you guys can really improve on this year. Um, Tyler, there's one player I'm excited about. I ran into him this offseason, and for me, it's Jerry Judy. Um, I believe he only had one touchdown last year. Had an ankle injury that really cut his season short um, and was playing with Drew Locke, which is not great overall. Sorry, Drew. Um, but I would say Russell Wilson coming to Denver has to be the best news for Jerry Judy in his career. Yeah, Jerry Judy, he hasn't put lived up to expectations, I don't think, to this point as his career. And that's because of the situation around him, primarily Drew Locke throwing him the football, which is he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the National Football League. And that's no disrespect to Drew Locke. I'm just keeping it real. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, with him having Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is a surefire Hall of Fame quarterback, and he's going to, you know, be a, the biggest beneficiary of Russell Wilson. And I think he's going to have a breakout season. He's probably will be number one on my list and you know he's going to get every team's number one cornerback you know the broncos they do have a pretty uh, nice receiving core and then a, a nice running game as well but you know jerry judy and russell wilson those are the two engines that are going to be key for the denver broncos on offense this season so you know if the broncos want success i jerry judy needs to be a thousand yard receiver and 70, 80 catches. That's the type of expectations I have for him this season, especially with Russell Wilson at quarterback. And I wanted to correct myself. Jerry Judy had zero touchdowns during his second NFL season, had three as a rookie. As many touchdowns as you and me. <laughs> yeah, three as a rookie. I don't know if we would have got that either, Tyler. Uh, let's go to another uh, you know, big-time big player. Just came off the Super Bowl and an incredible – recovery from an Achilles injury. Uh, Mike Jones also listed Cam Akers as a potential breakout star this year. Um, Tyler covered Cam Akers at Florida State, a really dynamic young player. He did get kind of held up a little bit in that Bengals game in the Super Bowl, um, but I think when you don't have Sonny Michelle anymore for the Rams um, and for how much firepower the Rams need offensively, I think Cam Akers could be in for a breakout season too. Yeah, I think he is poised for a breakout season. You know, we discussed a lot about his Achilles injury. It usually takes athletes at least a year to come back from that. And he came back in, what, six months, played in the playoffs. Uh, he was down about his playoff performance. But, you know, it's hard to, you know, fault him and to uh, criticize his performance when he came back from that severe of an injury. Uh, I know he's had a good off season so far off the flying colors at training camp. You know, I want to see, though, if this Rams offense becomes a little bit more run oriented. Now, I know they're going to throw the ball all over the yard, especially the Cooper Cup. But 
you kind of want to, you know, have some diversity in your offense and be more balanced. So I'm expecting big things out of Cam Akers this year. And maybe, you know, he can become a thousand yard rusher because that would be critical for this Rams offense to repeat. I probably got him around like 700, 800 yards, but like the touchdowns are going to go up. He's going to be a great candidate to, you know, some dump off touchdowns. And um, I mean, I would even draw up a couple wheel routes for him. He's that good. I think he's that dynamic. Um, I'm really excited to see how Cam Akers does. Best Rams running back since Todd Gurley. You agree uh, yeah. with that? Yeah, pretty easily. Okay. Um, But he's got to prove it on the field. He's okay. got to prove it on the field. He's got to produce like Todd Gurley. He did. does. And uh, he hasn't done that yet. Uh, one person we're, we're all trying to see if he develops on the field or not, Tyler especially, um, is Tua Tagovailoa, the Miami Dolphins quarterback. Here you go. Here I go, Tyler. You, had, go. you had to bring him up, huh? Well, he's the biggest name. Maybe I should blame Mike. He's the, Maybe I should blame thank Mike. Thank you. You should blame Mike. This is Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. So you say tongue first. <clears throat> Ovailoa. That's how you say the name. Get used to saying it, Tyler, because Tua Tagovailoa is in for a breakout season. Um, you think so? I think so, man. I just came from Dolphins camp today. Um, defense had a great day. They always do. Defense always has a great day when training camp starts, Tyler. But I will say this. I don't think any quarterback has, um, has gotten enough around him, done for him, this offseason than Tua Tagovailoa. Maybe you could say Derek Carr has a really nice blessing at Devontae Adams, but he had Darren Waller. He had Josh Jacobs. He had Hunter Renfro already. I don't think any quarterback in the NFL had more to gain this offseason than Tua Tagovailoa getting Tyreek Hill. Um, it's the biggest move of the offseason, in my opinion. I think it could really turn the tide for the Dolphins this year getting him. And this is the thing that Tua Tagovailoa needs. He needs to see players get open so he can throw them the ball. And ain't nobody getting more open than Tyreek Hill because he is the fastest receiver in the NFL. So I agree with a lot of things you said. But oh, yes. Yeah, that's all. All right. Podcast no, done. Perfect. Not, Great it's segment. Not, it's not done. That the Dolphins, <laughs> if they're probably number one as far as the offseason additions they've made. I mean, you can start in the backfield with Chase Edmonds. You know, you got Moster. You know, we didn't mention Armstead at tackle, who was probably He's the addition. number one tackle in free agency. And then Tyreek Hill. So, yes, Tua is all out of excuses at this point. They have loaded up that offense. That defense is already, you know, pretty good. So now it's up to Tua. And you got a new coach, an offensive-minded head coach. And he's supposed to bring an innovative offense to Miami. So what other excuses do you have now, Tua? Now, you have a deep threat. You have two deep threats. You have two Ferraris at receiver. You got two really good running backs, a pass-catching running back in Chase Edmonds, a pretty good offensive line. What other excuse do you have? The Dolphins have loaded it's up the, around. It's, it's the offensive line part. It's not, it's not that pretty good. It's not pretty it's good. Not pretty good. It's Armstead is good. Part. He's really good. I think, he's I think really the good. Dolphins' really offensive line is probably about average now. And that you uh, can win, you can win football games with average offense. I'm not saying Super Bowls, but you can win football games with average offensive line. I definitely agree. Look, the Dolphins have the worst offensive line in football the past two seasons under Brian Flores. Uh, Mike McDaniel's bringing in the zone blocking scheme, and it's different because I'm used to seeing Dolphins uh, linemen block like this, and then now in training camp, I'm seeing them run this way and run this way. 
Um, and when you run these lanes open, um, you know, to the left or right, it opens holes for running backs like Mostert, like Chase Edmonds, um, like Sonny Michelle, who's on the Dolphins roster for now. We'll see if he sticks around or not. But um, all the running game does for Tua is opening up the passing lanes. And when you have, like you said, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, nothing but speed in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, these are two very, very electric receivers. I think Jalen Waddle's going to have a big year. Last season, he broke the rookie record for receptions. Didn't have a lot of yards because Tua had to dump it off to him <laughs> because that offensive line was coming. But um, Oh, is that the only reason why? That's the only reason why. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, okay. that's the only those, reason short, those short dink and dunk passes. Hey, though. that's how you remain the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, according to Tyreek Hill there, too. But I think everything in line, too, especially with Tyreek Hill kind of just being his biggest cheerleader this offseason. He's been his hype man. Um, he's speaking up to it, and, and I think this is all positive for, for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Um, and we'll see how it goes. He is definitely the candidate, uh, you know, for most improved player, definitely the candidate for, you know, breakout player of the year if he does live up to that Alabama hype we saw him have a couple years ago before he got hurt so, with the hip injury. So your offensive line imitation was pretty good. I, I'm going to need you to do that again for the fans. Maybe we can cut that out. And you said like this and like this. Is that, that how you were taught how to block? That's that's how I did it. But if I did it again, one of these NFL teams is going to have to pay me, Tyler. <laughs> I know somebody's looking for a guard out there. Holla at me. Holla at me. I might so pick up the phone. I, the I, I, do, I do have to ask you, and I know it's the very start of training camp, but I've seen a lot of early season forecast having the Dolphins as the third best team in the AFC East. And I know that kind of makes your look at your face. I know it makes your blood boil. What? I, I've seen some, you know, I don't know what AFC you've seen. East rankings. And I the Bills prohibited favorites, number one. But then I've seen a lot So of, they got the Pats? So they got I, the Pats. I see a lot of I see a lot of Patriots number two. We heard Bill Belichick Man. saying Mac Jones has improved tremendously in year two. So the Dolphins might be Which, third or maybe even fourth. After the Jets, what do you think about that? After the Jets, you mean before the Jets? No, you they may they may, the they may be after the Jets at four. No, but who, but, but no, I, no, I do no, think no. I have I think I have them at number three. I think I agree they're three, right before the Jets. I, I haven't seen any of that, so that just lets me know my social media is great, in that I'm seeing <laughs> page, uh, Buffalo first, Dolphins second. Um, Look, they're all going to have to prove it on the field, Tyler. They really are. Uh, Dolphins open their season with the Pats at home. They got to play Lamar Jackson in Baltimore week two, and then the Buffalo Bills come to town week three. Um, the Dolphins are going to learn really early where they stand in the AFC East. And if they're able to get a couple wins early in the first three weeks of the season, more power to them. I mean, this season, with how stacked the AFC is all across the board, from the west to the north, sorry to the south, but I know the Colts are going to do well. And how the uh, you know the AFC East is shaking out. There's going to be a couple teams here vying for those wildcard spots, and there's going to be a lot more teams vying for wildcard spots than they are division uh, championships here to get into that playoff mix. So um, every game, every game counts more than more than it probably ever has because of the fact that you know there's so much talent in the AFC now. How many teams make the playoffs out of the AFC East? Um, it's got to be one, man. For me, it's got to be one. I think the AFC West takes two, and I think it's a good chance. You know what, actually, Tyler? I'm going to say two. I think the AFC West takes two, and I think the AFC East takes two. And then we got the North and the South winners. 
Wait, there's seven teams, there's right? Seven teams, seven teams yeah. here. I think two. I think two still make it. We'll get the. Um, it's definitely not going to be the Browns or the Steelers. That's for sure. <laughs> so Ravens, Bengals, boom. I got Ravens, Bengals. Mm-hmm. I got Bills, Dolphins. I got Chargers, Chiefs, and I got the Colts. That's my AFC playoff. We don't even have to start the season. We can just start at the playoffs. If you wow. Guys okay. Okay. I, I don't I don't have the uh, Dolphins. I have the Raiders. I have three, <laughs> three AFC, from the West. A- AFC West teams making it. Three. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen. They're just all going to cannibalize on each other. Th- this this is true. Same can be said about the AFC East, though. And every division in football. Here we Besides are. Besides the AFC South. <laughs> and then and the NFC East and the NFC East. Yeah, that's true too. It wouldn't be a, it's a football podcast if we didn't rail against the weak divisions of football. Um and it wouldn't be it's a football podcast if Tyler and I didn't have internet connection issues, but here we are. Training camp is underway. Some of us are in mid-season form, some of us are still in training camp form. Uh we'll see if Tyler can fix his laptop in time for the next episode. And we'll see if some of these guys like DK Metcalf like uh, Debo Samuel, Derwin James, get new deals. We'll see if Jimmy Garoppolo is traded next. We even didn't talk about him this episode, but we did the last one before that. Uh, we'll get into plenty of the headlines as the NFL season goes on, but thank you again for joining us here on It's a Football Podcast. If you haven't already, downloaded USA Today Sports Plus app in your Apple Store and in your Google Play. With the NFL season started, we're going to have nothing but updates for you and your favorite teams. So download the Sports Plus app and have us in your phone ready to go for the NFL season. Thanks for listening, guys. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.